Thank you so much, Chancellor Choir, for the beautiful anthem this morning. Wherever G King Jesus is riding on, that's where we want to follow, indeed. And as we, as we prepare to follow our Lord and King Jesus into his word this morning, for him to illuminate and enlighten us through his Holy Spirit, let us once again go before God in prayer, beloved. And now, O oh Lord, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts, be found acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. And if, Lord, through the words of this human being, we don't hear your voice, we ask you to come in your own gentle way and speak to each of us here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Today we have moved from the book of Genesis, where we were last week, into the book that follows, the story of Exodus and the beginning of the story of Exodus, with the story of the birth of a man named Moses. Now, before we dig into the birth of Moses and this passage that uh, Bob read so beauti beautifully for us a few moments ago, let's catch up as to how we got here a little bit. So last week, if you weren't here, if you didn't listen, you know that um, we were with Joseph, and he is the ruler in Egypt, and he has revealed himself to his brothers. His br he and his brothers reconcile with each other after all of these years apart, and Joseph reaches out a hand of forgiveness to them. Uh, Joseph is in a place where he saves so many people in the land of Egypt. He brings his family closer to him. His father Jacob, uh, since la from, the, from chapter 45 where we were last week, Jacob has died since then. And, and, even, and then many years go by and Joseph dies as well. But what happens after Joseph dies? We hear at the very beginning of Exodus chapter 1 verse 1 that there was a king, the Pharaoh who rose up after Joseph who did not fear God, who did not know Joseph. And the Israelites who had come, Joseph's family who had come into that region, were taken into slavery, and they were taken into bondage. So the story has taken a very dark turn, and the story of the people we were just hearing about last week has now changed. Their circumstances have drastically changed, and yet God is still with them. But there's a big change also that happens from Genesis to Exodus that I think is so important for us as the body of Christ, throughout the book of Genesis, as I shared with you, as I've shared with you before, and I love sharing this over and over, I love the book of Genesis because it's the first dysfunctional family. It is the first example of how families can be complicated, of how it shows us how relationships can be difficult, and God is establishing Jesus's family. I mean, this is Jesus's lineage that we have in the book of Genesis, where he came from. But what and what happens at the end of Genesis when after Joseph dies and a new Pharaoh arises? who does not know the Lord, in that time we go from God establishing a family to God establishing a people. God expanding beyond one family into a, na into a nation, into many nations, into many tribes, into many tongues that would just continue to grow and to grow. And so as we hear, come into the book of Exodus, we hear in chapter 1, that the Israelites are very blessed. Even though they live in bondage, they are, they are multiplying, they are having many children, they are strong, they are mighty in battle. God is doing great and mighty things through them, even though it is a dark time, and maybe especially because it is a dark time, God's light is beginning to grow, and it's beginning to shine, and God's word is beginning to spread because the, because the Israelites have all, what they gather around is not a family name, but they gather around 
who God is forming them into. They gather around a God who is just, a God who is holy, and a God who is mighty. And there's a little story in chapter 1 that I want to bring to your attention that's easy to overlook, but it's so important to understand, to know it because it just contributes so much to who Moses is. Yes, Moses is important, don't get me wrong, but I remember when I was in seminary, um, and some of my colleagues have all of these stories and all of these quotations that they remember from seminary, and I remember like two things that professors said to me. I learned a lot of great things from my professors in seminary, but I can't always recall all of, the, all of as many quotes as some people do. And, but there is one thing I remember from the Old Testament class, my first Old Testament class, taught by a man named Dr. John Hayes, who has since gone to be with the Lord. And John Hayes had a, he lived on a farm in uh, eastern Alabama. He was, uh, he, he was just this really brilliant but very practical thinker. And he, he, he commuted to Atlanta from eastern Alabama every day, which I always was impressed with. And I remember he came in and he gave us a quiz every week. And every week we had quizzes. That was all that the grade was for Old Testament. And he would ask us these little details from the Bible. Where, and we had to study all of these names, all of these numbers, all of these little things that we had so easily overlooked because his whole premise was it's the details that reveal things that you never have seen before. And I'll never forget when we jumped into the book of Exodus, this is one thing I remember, he insisted, and it was on the quiz, and he made us commit as a class, he said, you need to memorize two names, Shipra and Pua. Shipra and Pua. How many of you have ever heard those names in the Bible? Some of you have. I know. I've got Bible, y'all are Bible scholars. You know this. But Shipra and Pua were the two midwives that delivered that, that, uh, that were delivering the, the Hebrew babies, the Israelite children, and Pharaoh had told them, if it's a boy, kill them. I mean, that, I know that's a, dark, that's, a, that's a dark part of our history, friends, but that was what happened. But Shipra and Pua feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. They trusted God over, they trusted a good God over the evil in man who was ruling them, and they chose wisely. And it, was, and it says in, in Exodus chapter 1 that God that God delighted in them and God was pleased with them for what they did. So yes, we have Moses because there were two midwives who said yes to God and said no to what was wrong in the world. And, and, and that is a little detail that is so important because of, the, because of what they did. They set an example, not just for all of us, but think about this for a moment. These were the two midwives for all of these people. So Moses' mother, the one that we meet in chapter 2, we don't hear her name here, but when we meet Moses' mother, she's been in touch with these two midwives constantly, just like all of the other mothers of the time had been. And don't you know they were telling them over and over, do not be afraid, trust God, fear God, we are going to get through this. And that is where this community, this people of God begins to be built around this, around this idea of trusting a God that they cannot see even in the midst of the horrible circumstances that they are in. And so Shipra and Pua give examples for us of how we are to encourage each other, just like they encouraged all of these young mothers. And so when it comes to the point when Moses is born, we find out that Pharaoh is even madder at the midwives because they haven't done what he said. And so he goes even darker and he gets even more evil and says, we'll just kill all of the little boys under this certain age. And that is when Moses is, and that's where we pick up today with this dark new, um, this dark new edict that has gone out. 
and we hear in verse 1 that there's a man from the house of Levi who married a Levite woman, and they have a son, and she hides him for three months. But in verse 3, we hear when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him, plastered it, and put the child in it, and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. So here Moses' mother has come to this place where she knows she cannot protect her child anymore. She knows she has done everything that she can. Don't you know that the midwife's words were playing back over and over through her head? Fear God, trust God, obey God. And she does something that is hard to imagine. This mother taking her beloved son and taking him to the reeds, taking him to the water, doing everything that she knows to do and surrendering everything. Friends, when we think about the idea of surrendering all, this is a biblical and a beautiful visual example of what that looks like. She is giving up everything. She is trusting God with the most precious thing in her life. And can you imagine the anguish of when she walked away? Can you imagine the anguish of Moses' father when he had to walk away? Can you imagine them trying to explain to their older two children, including the daughter that's here, what exactly is going on? And yet they obeyed, and yet they did what they knew to do, even though they couldn't see how it could get good from there. They couldn't probably see how anything good could come out of this, but they entrusted this one to God. And friends, that is what the, the, the example here of what God is asking of us to give up everything for him, to surrender everything, to trust him, because he is trying to build us into a people that is more than just a family, but a fam, but a people bought by the blood of Jesus Christ who are united under his name alone, who fear him alone, who trust him alone. And so here, this child is left in the reeds, and here in this place of great unknowing, something miraculous happens. Not only does God raise up a leader called Moses, but that child gets restored to his family as well. Something only God could have done, something only God could have seen happening, but it all began because his mother stepped into the river. It all began because the midwives first said, we're going to step into the river of faith. We don't know how this is going to work out, but we do know what God has called us to do. And then after that, we hear that Moses' mother steps into, literally into the river and spiritually into the river of trusting God with this beloved child that she does not know how to protect anymore, but she knows that God knows how. She takes that little step and then another step, and then there's another step that's taken. And as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think about um, a couple weeks ago when I was on vacation, and as I was referenced with the children, my niece and I went swimming one day at, the, a, hotel sw at a hotel swimming pool, and, we got in the and when I got in the water, when I first stepped in, it was so cold. I mean, it was so cold that I thought, I just want to run back out of here. But I went ahead and got in the water and moved around in the water a little bit because I knew I would enjoy swimming once I got in. Well, my niece, uh, who's 12 years old, she'll be 13 later this year, um, she, had, she immediately went to the hot tub, and she was like, I'm good over here in the hot tub. She's just hanging out there, and I said, sweetheart, come on over in the pool with me and, and, and everything. She said, no, it's going to be cold. I said, it is going to be cold, but come in and, and just come get in. Well, she took one step in, and she said, it's cold. She took another step, and it was cold, and, and she just kept saying, it's cold, and I said, just keep on taking more steps. Step into the pool. Start swimming. Submerge your head underwater. It will warm up. You'll get used to it, but you've got to take that next step. And friends, so often in life, 
and I was the same way as she was when she first got in the pool, and I won't tell you how long either of us stayed in there, uh, but the, uh, how, the, how the story ended. Well, I may before it's over, but anyway, we get into the pool, and I thought, this is so much what life is like, that we take a step of faith, and it's cold, or it's shocking, or it's harder than we imagine, and we want to back out, don't we? We want to back away, and we want to just get out and make ourselves comfortable again. But God is asking his friends, like the earliest, like our ancestors in the faith, take the next step. Take the next step. Trust the one true holy God and allow yourself and, and allow yourself to follow after him. Don't pull back. Don't pull away. Don't withdraw just because you're uncomfortable. No, push forward into what it is that God is calling you to be because God has called us beyond just a, to a comfortable life. God doesn't want, God wants for us to go beyond what is easy. He said in his word that in this world we would have tribulation, but to be of good cheer, he had overcome that. And not only that, he has equipped us with what we need to keep on moving when time gets tough, not for our own sake, but for the sake of the kingdom. You see, friends, in this story, Moses' mother made decisions, and his father made decisions, and his sister made decisions, and Pharaoh's daughter made decisions that were all about God's kingdom being advanced. And they were willing to sacrifice, they were willing to give, and what happened in the meantime was something only God could have orchestrated because the sister comes and gets the mother back into Moses' life and he's raised in the courts and we hear at the end that his name is given as Moses. We hear that at the end because it means that he was drawn out of the water. And in that moment, and he was drawn out of the water of the river. Anytime there is a river in scripture, there is significance there. Because it, the rivers are in Genesis, the rivers are in Revelation. Now, everything in the Bible is important, friends, but if it's in Genesis and it's in Revelation, it's something to pay attention to, those images, because we know that there's something there. And rivers appear in such significant parts of Scripture, especially when Jesus arrives at the Jordan to be baptized by John. Because you see, friends, when Jesus took those steps into the river, when he stepped into the river, up until that point, he'd been just a happy carpenter. He had been Joseph's son and Mary's son. And there's no telling if he did miracles. There's a lot about Jesus' early life that we just don't know. We know that it had to have been remarkable because he was Jesus. He is Jesus. He's the son of God. But when Jesus took those steps into that river to receive a baptism that he did not need because he was the one true perfect son of God. He did it for us. He did it for a people not yet born. He took those steps of faith, not for his own self-comfort, but for the salvation of the world. And that is what he is calling us into as well. When Jesus stepped into the river Jordan, he was baptized by John, his earthly ministry began because it was at that moment that John said, hey guys, this guy, this guy here, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one you've been waiting for. Now what are you going to do about it? And Jesus was baptized and he was immediately sent into the wilderness. Then his miracles and his teachings and everything began from there. But friends, we all in our life are, 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 are going to be in places and we're in a place now as a church where we are called and we're in a place in the larger kingdom of God too beyond this church where God is saying, step into the river. Yes, times are hard. Yes, decisions are tough. But will you fear me first? Will you trust me first? Will you believe that I am the God capable of making something beautiful out of what seems far from beauty? Whatever the circumstances in your life, friends, 
Do you hear him calling to you? Do you hear him calling to us as a church? Take the step of faith that the future is, may not be what we always envisioned, but it is something that God is calling us to trust him to lead us into. And don't be afraid of the cold water that we encounter along the way or the hot water or the lukewarm water or anything in between. What Jesus is asking us to do is first and foremost to trust him, to follow him, and to see that as we take those steps of faith, that God is orchestrating something greater than we could ever imagine. The scenario of Moses' salvation and him being drawn out of the water and to become the leader that he will later become, only God could have overseen that. The two midwives who saved life after life, who knows what kind of leaders all of those leaders, all of those young people became and the role they played in God's kingdom today because of that decision that was made. All God is asking of us today, friends, is to follow him into the river, to follow him into the unknown, to trust him and to fear, and to fear him with a holy fear that he is the one on the throne, that he is leading you, he is guiding you, he is leading us, he is guiding us into what he desires us to be as believers in the larger body of Christ. And so today we are left with this challenge. The river is ready. The river is there. We have reached the river that is Jesus, where Jesus Christ our Lord is beckoning to us. Will we take the next step? And will we continue to move forward towards him? Let us trust him. Let us follow him. And let us be instruments of what he is doing in this world. Even if we don't see it, let us trust him. Even if we don't understand it, let us believe him. For he is the one who sees us in, he is the one who sees us through, and he is the one who will take us all the way to his glory, for he is Jesus Christ our Lord, and he lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen. Let us now prepare to rejoice in this God with our singing.